Hello and welcome to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. Happy September. Football's here. You know what that means. Time for the old 53-man roster, which was a big topic uh, for most of the week, uh, leading up until really the weekend, and that's when college football took take over. We'll get to the Buckeyes, who then gave some Ajita. <laughs> Uh, quarterback situation is not exactly clean, but okay. They still won. Defense uh, front, I say front six, front seven, does look improved. Um, but we'll get to more of the Buckeyes here in a second. Guardians are really making a charge here. Uh, picked up Gilito and two other pitchers, Moore and Lopez. In the bullpen, they're making a charge, trying to win this division. Uh, picking up guys on waivers. Uh, good for the Guardians. Makes it exciting. They've had a very good week. They've won four straight coming into today. So a lot of things going on. But again, all that to be said, really in Cleveland, it's about the 53-man roster. That That's kind of where we had to start and finish. And, you know, we've been talking all August about the struggles of Cade York. So I guess we should start there. Uh, Cade York is no longer with the club. They have they traded for a kicker and brought in uh, Dustin Hopkins who has a very accurate leg, doesn't have the strongest of legs, but does have an accurate leg, and that that's important. Um, you can make kicks from what's been reported. It sounds like 45, 46, 47 on end. It's pretty consistently good. Um, anything above that mark gets a little more hairy, but okay. And to be honest with you, Browns seem to be a team anyways that most times want to go for it when it's above um, that limit. So that kind of makes sense for this trade. Um, Cade York, you feel bad for the young man. Um, you don't ever want to see a person fail in life or fail on a, on a team we cheer for. And he failed. I mean, he had a terrible summer. Um, was not good enough. And couldn't handle the pressure. And there's a lot of, you know, varying opinions from people who want to explain the mental angst, whether it's the conditions, whether it's a lot of pressure put onto a rookie kicker, and you can go down these roads if you want. But it had to be changed. York was just not good and, frankly, wasn't good the year before. So had to be made. Browns made the right move. Dustin Hopkins is in. I really understand People's varying opinions about bringing in a different kicker other than Hopkins. If you want to go down that road, you can. I think Hopkins is fine. I don't see a problem with it. I understood the trade. They brought someone in here who they thought can consistently make kicks when healthy. Now he hasn't been, he wasn't healthy last year. But it sounds like he is healthy this year. And Hopkins does sound like a true competitor, which is great. I think this, again, makes a lot of sense. Bringing in a veteran with 10 years plus experience has been successful. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Not bringing in another rookie kicker. Not bringing in someone who's going to make you nervous or try to build up. Or, you know, again, all these different yada, yada, yadas. It just made a lot of sense to me. Again, you want to go, they should have brought in Robbie Gould. They should have brought in, brought in a trade from the Patriots. Falk, fine. But this made sense to me. And you can't badmouth a trade or be negative on a trade. This had to happen. You could not live with KUR kicking in week one. This couldn't happen. We always kind of felt the Browns would make a move, but to see them make the move is what we want to see, and that's what happened. So that's how the week started off. It was the right decision, no question about it, and Hopkins is on your final roster. The other moves, for for the most part, all made sense. This was not like other years where there's a lot of debate. There was a couple little things that were nickel and dime. The biggest one was the, the release of A.J. Green, in my opinion, for uh, Khalif Halisi, who came over from uh, Kansas City. He's a rookie from Western Kentucky. That was surprising. Um, A.J. Green as a player who I actually thought well of as a backup. I thought he did a nice job in games, actually. I was surprised about this move. 
Uh, Halisi came over on, I think it was either Wednesday or Thursday. But that was a surprising move. And obviously the Browns are doing this move because the biggest, you know, there's two, there's two things going into this first week of the Bengals game. They're going to have high priority outside of the, you know, expectations of the team. And that is what's going on with Denzel Ward and Conklin and concussion protocol. So the, the move of Khalif Halisi would be a newsmaker anyways, but it made even more noise because Denzel Ward, there's a good chance he's not going to play. Emerson, feel great on. Newsom, feel good. Uh, but we have two now rookies and Mike Ford. So, and the, I will say the Browns do a nice job of cornerbacks. They have a very good eye for this, so I, I trust their judgment. But letting go of an A.J. Green hadn't could not have been easy. Because, again, there is a bit of doubt about what's going on in Denzel Ward. And I would think at this time you got to probably project it's very, very 50-50 at best. Because they're never going to give updates about someone in concussion protocol, as they should. I mean, I, I actually understand that. They, it's left vague, and it should be vague. It's a vague... Um, it's a vague, how should I say this? It's a serious injury with, it's hard for doctors to really determine when someone's hundred percent. So they want to be very careful of giving a timeline. And I understand that. So Halisi got picked up. Denzel Warsaw concussion protocol. So we'll see there. Offensively, they did, um, on the offensive line. They'd end up taking three centers, all of them, <laughs> two of them draftees, and then you got Posick, who was great last year. But Nick Harris returns, and Nick's been steady when he's been healthy. Um, that's been the question with Nick. Nick just needs to stay healthy. When Nick's healthy, though, it's pretty good. Uh, and, and everybody's excited about this kid, Whip, Whipler, out of Ohio State. The guards are a staple of this team, Batonio and Teller, obviously one of those guys Take a step backwards. One of those backup centers are going to plug in. And then a tackle, you have the standard bear of hopefully Conklin and Wills, but you can tell Dewan Jones is lurking in the background. Um, I think it would not be far-fetched to say, I think in future year, you're going to see Jones eventually taking over for Conklin at some point. I think that's just a given, um, as it should be. As it should be. I mean, Jones was drafted for a reason, not, not to sit all the time. Wide receivers, I wanted Watkins. Everybody else wanted Watkins, but they decided to move up, which is good news. Marquise Goodwin, it sounds like Goodwin's going to be ready to go for week one. And they kept Devin Bell, which was not a secret. And so that meant they kept six, and the odd man out was Watkins. But Watkins did go through is back on a practice squad, which is good. So I think that actually worked out for the Browns. And frankly, Watkins is knocking on the field a lot, so I wouldn't overthink. And in fact, I talked about those other moves first. Those are guys I can actually see playing. Watkins, even if he plays, is very, very limited time. David Bell's limited time. Cooper, Goodwin, Moore, Peoples-Jones, and Tillman are the guys you're going to get the majority of the time over wide receiver. The six and seven is really not going to get much time on this offense. So Watkins didn't make the cut. The tight ends were scheduled as usual. Uh, Njoku with Aikens and Harrison Bryant. I was surprised at the discussion about Harrison Bryant not making the team. Um, quarterbacks, you know, Watson, DTR. For those who are nervous about DTR being a rookie as a backup, there are times to be nervous about that. And it still makes you uneasy because obviously he doesn't have any experience. But DTR really played well in the preseason. So just to claim that it is a, a, a given that he can't handle the backup, I don't know if it's a given. I think people are being way too harsh on the Browns putting Dorian Thompson Robinson as the backup with no experience and being critical of it. I understand the labeling, but the kid played well. He really did. He really played well in the preseason. And I thought DTR did a nice job. 
It's time to develop him. You know, God forbid, if Watson gets hurt, well, DTR is going to be in there, and that's okay. Hopefully it's not for more than two or three games. I Again, I know the old saying of a veteran quarterback coming in, leading the team, but Dobbs is a lower-end backup, in my opinion. He's not a higher-tier backup, so DTR taking the place is not crazy. Not crazy. Again, one, I, it, I was surprised by all the hung, hang-ups on that sometimes. When it came to that, um, a, lot, a lot of chatter was at the right decision, blah, 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 but I thought that actually made more sense because of how he played. And then, to me, the most nerve-wracking position on the roster running back, Chubb, Ford, and Pierre Strong. Uh, Felton did get cut. He actually got signed on the practice squad with the Bengals. He decided not to come back to the Browns. And John Kelly, not on the roster as well, which made sense. Uh, Kelly is a true, true practice player. Uh, running back, to me, is very nerve-wracking. It's good to hear Jerome Ford's back. It's good to hear that from what from early from early eyes that Pierre Strong, you know, looks like he's a capable backup. But you know, the running back position again, that's an important position. Watkins making the team, yes, it's a storyline, but the backup running back's a key thing on this team and on any team. Backup running backs play. And the Browns really don't have a solidified number two. Ford's gonna ha- has the keys, but I, it's far from proven. And obviously, we don't know much about Strong yet. Nick Chubb staying healthy is a very vital thing. You know, everybody in the off season talked about Watson, 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 and rightly so. It's a quarterback. Must important position in the sport. But but Nick Chubb's the heart and soul of this team. And not only that, he's one of the best players in football. Not just on the team, but in football. And there's no capable backup. We don't know. Ford and Strong are unproven. So a lot of pressure for Chubb to stay healthy. When talking about the Browns' projections, a big thing that needs to be mentioned is can Chubb stay healthy this year. Most times he has been able to, but there's been some reasons he's missed a game here and there. Tough kid, tough guy, tough, tough, tough player. But you got to be fair, that's a big storyline going in. On the defense, I thought all the roster moves made sense. If you want one little debate, I would have taken a deeper look at Isaiah Thomas over Alex Wright. Um, Alex Wright really hasn't done much for me. I haven't seen anything where he's made a play or done something on the field that caught my eye. Um, Thomas did. Thomas did do some things at times. Not a lot, but at times. But they're sticking with Wright over Thomas. And then you got Ogbo and Isaiah McGuire as the other backups, along with Garrett and Zadarius Smith as starters. Defensive tackle all made sense to me. Shelby Harris, Tomlinson, Ika, who didn't see do much. Um, he was the one rookie I didn't really see do a whole lot. Maurice Hurst and, of course, Jordan Elliott. Defensive tackles, n- not as extreme but similar. Hopefully Harris and Thomason can play the whole season because in back of them, a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Linebacker Adams, Diabete did make the team, which I thought was a good thing. Diabete proved himself in preseason. Would have gotten picked up, in my opinion. Plays a good special teams as well. Smart. Kudos for the Browns to recognizing you need players like Diabite on the field. Speaking of the field, Tony Fields made a JOK who had a good preseason. And Taki Taki and Anthony Walker. This position group gets criticized a lot. Um, no criticisms here. I really think this is actually one of our better groups. Um, I don't. I thought JOK played well. Talkie talkie when healthy does make plays. Walker Jr. is a leader. And I like what I saw from Diabite. I don't think it's that bad. I people criticize linebackers on this team sometimes. I, I'm not seeing it. I think it's actually groups not as bad as what people want to make it out to be. Safeties, uh DeAnthony Bell, Delpit, Hickman, Ronnie McLeod, Thornhill, all those made sense. All the needed to make the team they did. 
and we went through the cornerbacks already. It's Emerson, Ford, Halisi, Mitchell, and Newsom, along with Denzel Ward. All made sense there, too. Can you want nickel and dime walking? Sure. The real thing's a circle here. Out of all these different things, if Denzel Ward's out, who's going to be that third cornerback? You would think it would be Ford. But wouldn't surprise me they put in one of the rookies, which, wow, is that dangerous? And obviously the backup running back. Those are position groups to watch in week one when it really comes down to the real roster. And that's your 53-man. Real quickly, to end on York, then we'll get back to the season ahead. You know, you want to get into and debate Cade York coming back to Cleveland. He didn't want to come back. I get it. And frankly, I may have done the same thing. He needs a new fresh ear. He needs a new fresh environment. And it didn't work out for him in Cleveland. Doesn't mean he hates Cleveland or anything like that. But York, um, you know, him not him not coming back, I whatever. Think it made sense. Think he kind of needs a fresh start. And frankly, I need a fresh start. I, I wouldn't want if Hopkins does get hurt, I, I wouldn't want York trotting out there. Again, that was another storyline that got way too much attention. Way too much attention. That it made sense that he moved on and the Browns moved on. All parties made a lot of sense. That's your 53. Again, some moves and last second changes, but pretty standard quo. And unlike other years, it feels a lot better than last year. Really, really, really does. So when we come back from break, let's start previewing the 2023 season one week away. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love instantaneous chatter about the Guardians, Browns, Cavaliers, Buckeye football, go to at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. That is at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Check it out. I'm there after every game. Go to believeintheland.com for very thoughtful, good content. When it comes to our Browns, our Cavs, and our in our city that we love, and the Guardians too, of course, and Buckeye football. Believeintheland.com. Also check out our Believe in the Land YouTube page. So as we head into the regular season, a week from today, we'll be talking about the results after week one as the Browns play the Bengals. The Guardians are on the road, and then the Buckeyes get a, a noon game with Youngstown State, uh, fellow Ohioan team. Um, but so we lead off with the Bengals at home. And as we get into that game, for obvious reasons, there's a lot of, you know, hand-wringing nervousness about what to think of having to play a division opponent, one that's so important, one that's been to the Super Bowl and AFC Championship back-to-back -back years. Super Bowl two years ago, back-to-back -back AFC Championship games. Very, very talented loaded team. Kitty Cats. Right down the road. As we head into this game, I think the defense trying to remember a year I felt as confident as this. And I, it's probably been since pre-move, actually. So we're talking Belichick years where the defense was really good. This is a very talented defense. And that's even with the injury Denzel Ward. I think Martin Emerson doesn't get chatter enough. He's very good in case Denzel Ward's out, which is a big injury. Um, but Emerson will will be able to play in that spot, and so will Newsom. I think the Browns will be okay. It's not perfect. It's not what you want, but they'll be okay. And Ward always does them to play well against the Bengals. But this defense is really, really high end. I mean, it is motoring into this game. I've said it. I think Miles Garrett's going to win the defensive MVP this year. I really do. I think with the help of Sedarius Smith and from what I can tell from these linebackers and from the improvement of defensive tackle, it takes so much weight off of Garrett. I think it will really allow him to play free and really allow him to have a big year. We will get to the offense, but I want to start with the defense for a reason. This defense has a chance to be very, very good. Has an opportunity to be elite and that's not just for us fans. That is that is legit. When you have defensive ends 
like Zadarius Smith and Garrett and a secondary that has very talented players and makes for a very high-end defense and a very exciting defense. A defense that's going to make a lot of plays. It's also going to allow this team that has some questions on offense, and obviously Deshaun Watson comes in. And we, we know what to expect overall, but what is his ceiling this year is very murky, depending on who you talk to. Some, and I'm in this camp, I think he's going to have a good season, great elite Pro Bowl. I don't see that. Don't see that. I see him being good. I think he's going to get better as the season goes on. But I think out of the box, I could see some, you know, let's just say, not clean moments. Moments where he's he's going to rely on his legs a lot. He's going to be in that shotgun. That's going to be exciting at times. But I don't know if it's going to be as dynamic as we wanted to be right out of the box. I would rely a lot on 24 to get us through games early on offense and allow the speed of Elijah Moore, the talents of Cooper and Njoku to really help out. And the Browns will be fine on offense. They will. That's the, that's the difference. They aren't bad on offense. They're going to be fine. They're going to be good. Are they elite or great? No. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. But they can allow their running game and allow their talent to help out Deshaun Watson. And more importantly, this defense can really lift the team. If they stay healthy, wow. I think the Browns have a really good chance of being a top-five defense. They're that talented. They finally made proper and good investments in this defensive line. And I've been screaming about it for on this radio show for two years now. And they finally, finally came through. I've been so frustrated with how they've been patchworking this D-line. Not this year, baby. Defensive tackles, Tomlinson, Shelby Harris, good. Draft pick Ika, good. Needed help there, and they gave it a boost. Steroid boost, as we like to say. Needed that. Defensive ends are much better. Needed that. With Sedaria Smith. To help out with Miles Garrett. If you're going to chip and do a double team on Miles Garrett, which is fine, Sedaria so Smith's going to tear you apart. And, and frankly, if you try to just cover those two, I think Tomlinson and Shelby Harris is going to wreck people. Very exciting. Needed that. I think it will allow the offense to get settled and allow the offense to actually play comfortably and grow into the system rather than forced to lead. There's been, you know, we always talk on football about the offense, and that's fair, and it's an offensive game. But this defense, I think, is going to really help these first few weeks, in particular opponents like the Bengals, in particular opponents like the Ravens. And then you got sandwiched in between the steel, the steel, the Steelers and the Titans. Pit. Big stretch off the uh, back two. They play four games, all AFC opponents. Usually they sneak in there a couple of NFC, not this year. It's all AFC. And then not only is it all AFC, it's two interdivisional, all, I mean, I'm sorry, all three divisional opponents. With two home games. There's this flash term you always hear, hot start. Well, Browns are playing division in the start. So what I'd say is, you know, it's crucial. Can't go 1-3. Obviously can't go 1-4. Got to go at least midway point 2-2 two and, two and hopefully 3-1. There's been a lot of rumblings about how good the Steelers look. That's fine. Good for them. Gosh, it's vomiting here, that isn't. The Ravens, um, you know, high expectations with all the drama that happened with Lamar Jackson. That's all gone now. It's the OBJ and Lamar Jackson show. That will be interesting to watch from afar. Hopefully they fall on their faces. They come to Cleveland. And the Kitty Cats start. And they are very good. Kitty Cat's got a great quarterback in Joe Burrow, so we all know. Very, very good. But the, the whole 
Steeler thing um, from past years. And, you know, the, the Browns have actually competed well against the Bengals, and then there's Ravens. With the defense they have and the offensive weaponry they have, they're right there. All these teams are close. All these teams are close. And I actually think in a way it's kind of good they're playing division opponents right away um, and rather than later in the year, so that way they can get some wins underneath their belt. You guys sometimes look at it as advantages, not disadvantages. Browns need to take advantage of playing the Bengals early. Be, they, they usually are slow starters. Steelers are usually notoriously slow starters. Take care of them. Gobble those wins up. Take care of the angry, dumb birds at home, and then, you know, beat, beat Nashville. Important schedule to start. And then you get a week off before you play the Niners. Four of your first five are at home, too. Got to go three and two, even after the bye. But it gives the Browns a real nice opportunity because of the bye week, as they would anyways. But you can really full court press because you know you got the bye week and you get to play three division dual opponents before the bye. Not bad. I know a lot of people are crying and wringing their hands. Look at it again. Take advantage of teams, especially the Bengals, notoriously slow starters. Steelers don't play as, as good a football in September as they do December. Take advantage of these moments. Ravens usually do come out of the box hot. But okay, play them at home. And Tennessee doesn't look to be too good this year. Really not a lot of expectations coming out of Nashville. So you have an opportunity to get some wins. Look at it as an exciting thing. I think it's actually good for the Browns to do that. Sometimes they've had these weird flat openers. Not this year. Not with the Bengals coming in town. Is it fair to have playoff expectations? Yes, it is. Is it going to be easy? Well, no, it's never easy. And it is division and it is competitive. This division's the one. NFC East is another one. NFC North is another one. AFC North. These are almost feel like college-like divisions. These teams don't like each other. And, boy, the fan base is very, very into the pro football teams. I see the Browns right around that 10-11 win mark. There's some things in preseason, that, again, defensively I really like. Something on offensively I think as the season grows on, will gradually get better. But exciting. Can't wait for the season. I really can't wait for the season to start. Everybody's going to talk about Watson. Fair. This is no more, you know, training wheels. He's going to have to perform. This is this is the reason why I brought him in. Stefanski, as every head coach in Cleveland, everything's on the line. I mean, everything's, everything's on the line. So a lot of expectations for the Browns to be good. And again, the schedule early on is very, very good. It doesn't get so bad after the Niners. The Colts, Seahawks, Cardinals, all winnable games. At Seattle's never easy. Then they go back to playing two more divisional teams. That only leaves one more left. They are done with the division basically up until the final week after middle of November. That is unique. Usually they have a couple towards the end of December, not this year. They have a long West Coast swing after Thanksgiving. And they're home for the Jaguars, Bears. They play a very digestible, very digestible December where they start off with the Bears, Texans, right around the holidays. And they come back for that very big, which will be well-hyped Thursday night game with the Jets, which I think will be a playoff position on the line. Stefanski's got a lot of pressure to win. Sean Watson has a lot of pressure to win. But don't forget about Nick Chubb, and this elite defense is going to really help out this year. Rosters to watch as a roster positions to watch in this team, I kind of went through and mentioned. One of them is going to be the backup running back. We'll see if Jerome Ford can take the reins. The team has high confidence in him. We really haven't seen him do anything. 
so it's hard to really tell. And they have Pure Strong behind them. We know nothing about Pure Strong. So because of that, it kind of leaves that position a little bit more murky than what we want. And again, cornerback because of Denzel Ward and tackle with Conklin too. But they have a lot of confidence in this rookie from Ohio State, and they also have a lot of confidence in Hudson, who will be there to back up. And Wills is the left tackle, and he makes everybody nervous, but he is what it is. That's your Browns. We come back, Buckeyes. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Instantaneous, as soon as the Buckeyes game is over and that final gun is shot, go to at official Cleveland Sports and Instagram. That's at official Cleveland Sports and Instagram. Check me out. They're giving analysis as soon as the Buckeye game is over. Guardians, Browns as well. And, of course, go to BelieveInTheLand.com for all of your news on the Buckeyes. Guardians, Browns, Cavs. Also a lot of other things, too, in the city of Cleveland. Check it out at BelieveInTheLand.com. Finally, check out the Believe in the Land YouTube channel for all sorts of videos like this and more. Check out the YouTube channel and hit like and hit subscribe today. Hit subscribe right now. Why aren't you getting subscribed? Hit subscribe. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with Breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with Breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with Breslow the business of sports betting podcast running should be simple just put on your shoes and go and yet when you try to learn about how to get better at it especially as you age you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. All right, so the Buckeyes. Buckeyes played the Hoosiers. They won the game. No shock there. They won the game comfortably. No shock there. How they won the game and how they got to the final result is up for some debate. It was not a clean start from the Buckeyes. As the word uh, from Coach Day, and I use the same word, uh, clunky. Um, very, very jittery start from the quarterback position, in my opinion. Uh, McCord got 20 out of 33 for 239 in an interception. But I frankly thought he really had a hard time getting in any kind of rhythm in this game. In fact, uh, I thought really he had a hard time just finding his way in this game. And what I mean by that is the gentleman just couldn't quite couldn't quite get into a flow McCord. He has talented wide receivers. Harrison Jr. and Agbuka are top NFL prospects. Everybody knows that. We, we certainly know that in here in Ohio. And he didn't get them involved. I mean, both guys only had a combined five catches. Two for 18 for Harrison. Two catches for 18 for Marvin Harrison Jr. And Amika Buka had three catches for 16 yards. 16. They only had 34 yards. 
Cord has got to figure out how to make this offense explosive. He's got to start figuring out how to get the ball downfield. Kate Storver had a good game. That's nice. Fleming had a nice game. Okay. Carnal Tate didn't do much. In the running game, did what it had to do. Indiana put a lot of pressure on Ohio State to throw. That's what I saw. You know, a lot of people are criticizing the offensive line. The offensive line did have some moments where they were on blocking was not the best, and that's true. But because it was Indiana was shooting gaps and forcing Ohio State to – I mean, it was very apparent after one drive, and you could tell Indiana made adjustments after one drive. They basically said, you know what? Ohio State, let's see you throw the ball down the field like you have in the past. And that was a good call. Ohio State really showed their cards early by taking the running game and attacking, and that was smart. And Indiana made their adjustments, and really Ohio State was only able to score one more touchdown after that. The offense line got to do better, sure, but the passing game wasn't allowing the running game to get going. Passing game has to get the ball downfield. Passing game has to be able to stretch and threaten the defense for big explosive plays in space. And Indiana definitely gave those plays up, but Ohio State couldn't take advantage of it. Had a very hard time getting downfield against an Indiana team that, frankly, isn't very good. Is it panic? No. Does this happen first games and teams can go and grow through it? Yes. Actually, there's several examples throughout time on not only just Ohio State, but different teams I've watched in my 44 years where I've seen a team, Notre Dame comes to mind, in 1993, quarterback struggled. I forget his name on top of my hand. I think it was Jackson. Which is not the same, but anyways, quarterback really struggled in his first game, and after that, got going and actually played really well for the rest of the season. Maybe McCord just had a lot of jitters. Not sure. Devin Brown was supposed to make an appearance in this game. He did for three throws and negative yardage. He still doesn't have any positive yardage on his career belt yet. Devin Brown looked overwhelmed. Is that fair after one game? Uh, no, needs to see more time, yes, but uh, Devin Brown didn't go well. And McCord, again, um, had some moments in the third quarter. Had some moments where he did get into a groove. He definitely found Stover to be a good outlet. But Ohio State's an explosive team built on speed and BP, big plays. Did not happen in this game. Stover was really the only time it happened. Running attack, I thought, did fine. I think Trainum needs to get more carries. I think you'll see that. A lot of hype about Travion Henderson coming back. Gotta be honest, he looked, looked slow. Feel bad for the young man. Kind of wonder if that injury kind of did him in because I didn't see a very explosive running back after one game. Now that he deserves also a few more chances to get his legs underneath him. But in one game, Trayvon Henderson didn't look elusive. I think they need to get the ball more to Tranium, need to get the ball more to Williams. They're going to have to figure that out behind the scenes. So I definitely did not see a guy. And Henderson is ready to be the full-time cowbell running back, which was kind of what was being hyped throughout the preseason and training camp. And let's just be honest, this is not there right now. This is not there. You want to get on Ryan Day? That's fair. There's some things that do leave you a little bit more cautious. Quarterback's got to play better. Coach is going to have to figure that out and help him out. The defense did its job in this game. And for a road game in the Big Ten, that's fine. Indiana's not good. <laughs> I'm telling you. I don't want to cramp it too much. They're just not very good. And kudos to Ohio State. They never allowed them to get going in this game. They shut down the Hoosier running game early. And once that team was forced to pass, you could just tell, forget it. I mean, Indiana barely got to 82 yards. <laughs> barely. And the running game is just 
below average. Not very, not very elusive. They have a lot of work to be done in Bloomington. But the defense did its job, shut down Indiana's running game. And really what I see here is two weeks for Ohio State to figure out what it has a quarterback and how they're going to get this explosive passing game going. They have two weeks. That's perfect. Is there playing Notre Dame tomorrow? Boy, it'd be wouldn't be so good, but they don't. That's not the case. They have time. Youngstown and Western Kentucky are going to give this offense time. But to say the quarterback situation is McCord's and McCord's only, I don't think is right. I think McCord is going to be the quarterback for now, but he must play better than what he did on Saturday. Panic? No. Concern? Yes. For Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and Amika Abuka to not get 40 yards of combined receiving yards is just not good enough. They have to figure out how to get these guys involved and get these guys the ball. I mean, again, I get it. They're trying to warm up their young quarterback, and they got away with it in game one. And they did. They got away with it. They won the game. That's the most important thing. Beating our Dame in three weeks, no one cares about the score. And that's why these next two games are important, not from the win standpoint. They're going to win. How they win and how they develop these next two weeks are crucial for the Buckeyes offense and really crucial for Mr. McCord. And for Ryan Day, they're going to have to figure out how to get the ball downfield. Boy, for people who are on Stroud, boy, you'd like to have him back now. Again, concern, yes. Panic, no. No panic. Plenty of time to figure this out. Buckeyes next week have Youngstown State. That's a, that's a victory we all know. After they got Western Kentucky, then finally the Notre Dame fighting Irish. And what will be a big game? The Irish look great right now. Three weeks from Saturday. Guardians to finish up. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. You can check out instantaneous content. I mean, it is instant. As soon as the final pitch happens with the Guardians. I am there. Taking you home. Go to at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. That is at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Check us out on BelieveInTheLand.com. Check us out on Believe in the Land on YouTube as well. Guards. Wow, what a week. What a week. Just when they thought the Guardians might be dead, they come back to life. As we record this, they are currently tied in a game with the Rays. They are 4-1 this week, beating Minnesota and Minnesota twice and possibly sweeping Tampa back to Florida. Huge week for the Guardians. They're trying to fight back their way into this division. It's going to take a miracle. It's going to take a really hot finish. But give the fighting guards, it's kind of what I nicknamed them, the fighting guards a chance. They are they have picked up some free agents. The big news story outside the winning and outside the great comeback victory on Wednesday against the uh, Twins, where Cole Calhoun hit a moonshot that still hasn't landed in Minnesota. The pickups of Giolito, Lopez, and Matt Moore on the waiver wire that were placed on the waivers by the Angels. All three were picked up by the Guardians. A sign of we're not done. We're trying to win this division. And buckle up. We're heading down the stretch. Thank you, Angels. Merry Christmas cards coming to you soon. That is some of the biggest gifts you can ever give a team like the Guardians. Affordable, great talent on layaway. And these are not average talents. Giolito can play. He's been an all-star. Matt Moore can be an elite reliever, one-time starter, lefty. And Lopez is a good reliever, too. I mean, it just the Guardians just needed that boost. And for the cherry on top of the Sunday, they got back Josh Naylor on Sunday, too. Almost like getting another trade player at the deadline. They haven't had Naylor all 
really didn't have Naylor all of August. Now, after a month where trades and locker room dissension with the management has all come up. I mean, August was a wild month. Couldn't beat the White Sox in a series. Couldn't beat the Tigers in a series. Only beat them once in a four-game homestand. Could only beat the Tigers once. The Kitty Cats from Detroit. And yet the Guardians keep fighting back. Gabriel Arias has found his swing. Bo Naylor has found his swing and his glove. He's had a good defensive week. He's had a great week at the plate. Jose Tina, yes, he's up. He's getting big hits in big spots. Quan getting huge hits, big spots. Cole Calhoun being dubbed kind of the father, the dad of this team. Having a huge moment in Minnesota. Huge moment. Hitting a big shot into the, into the seats. Class A, been dominant. Henches, fantastic August. Keeps rolling, keeps motoring along. The young guns of Bybee, Williams, Logan Allen, keep going, especially Bybee and Williams. Bybee and Williams are definitely, definitely top prospects that have turned into big-time pitchers. I think Logan Allen will get there, too. Logan Allen, he battles the long ball. Logan Allen gives up a lot of home runs. That kind of deflates his performances. But once he figures that out, and he will, I think he's going to be a good starter. And supposedly Bieber and McKenzie are on the way. Cal Quantrill came back this week and looked like Cal Quantrill from a year ago. It's amazing what a week in sports will do. They won a series in Toronto. And I remember I said to myself, my good, I mean, you, you almost want to be like, hey, good for them. That's a nice story. They're hustling the season hard. But it's more than that now. It's a lot more than that. And the Guardians, for whatever reason, have played the Twins tough and do well against the Twins. They have three at home coming up this week. And if they go on to win today, they'll only be four back with three at home to start off the week. And that's it. No more Minnesota after that. Huge three-game stand. Really need to sweep. you got to at least get a game. Can you got to get two out of three. I think you almost got to get three out of three. But the way the season is going, I can kind of get a vibe. Got to give yourself a pulse. So if you win today, you got to win two out of three. They lose the day, they got to sweep. So again, repeat. If they end up losing today, the race, I think the Guardians are going to have to sweep. That way they get the lead down to two. If they happen to win today, I think two out of three, getting the lead down to three games will be fine. But hopefully the Guardians can win. Hopefully the Guardians can get two out of three or sweep and really put some pressure. And again, it goes back. The Guardians just keep pressing. They play hard. They're really finishing the season strong. There's obviously a lot of debate whether this will be Terry Francona's last last game, last season. I'm sorry, not last game. Last season. All fair. And that will be figured out. And obviously there's been a lot of banter, as he talked about as press conference recently. There's a lot of discussion about what's going to be happening after the season. But as of right now, we live in the now. He is on the bench. And as we all know, with Frank Conner teams, they finish the season strong. It's remarkable. I think the Guardians have an outside chance. Now they're going to have to get hot. And they have a West Coast swing. And they still have to play Texas at home. And they're going to have to figure out a way to do better against the Kitty Cats. They play the Tigers a few more times. They go to Kansas City one more time. They got to gobble up those wins this time. But I actually think there's a small outside chance the Guardians can get back in this thing. And the big reason why is they do well against the Twins. They really do. And they're starting to get healthy. Naylor's back. Bieber should be back soon enough. They got Giolito now. I mean, if they were happen to get in the playoffs, there's actually a door opening where I could see them doing well in the playoffs. Bieber, Giolito, Williams, Bybee, or Quantrill. I mean, you got starters who can make starts in the playoffs and do well. And you're not relying all on rookies. Starting to get figured out. It's really late, and it's last second. 
for the guardians, the guardians to put in their final order. And they're asking the chef to keep the lights on a little late. But they are, it is legit. This is a real run. But it's going to take a lot of perfection. There's not a lot of wiggle room. Guardians can't have one of their stutter stuffs where they lose three out of four. Can't do they do not have time to do that. Guardians have to finish the season of peak shape. Really do. Twins at home, long West Coast swing at Anaheim, at San Francisco. Come home for a quickie against Texas. Texas isn't playing so well. Back on the road against Kansas City. The mighty Baltimore Orioles, who they seem to play well against too. Cincinnati at home, and then on the road to finish the season against the Kitty Cats. The guards are fighting. They're fighting hard. The Giolito pickup and the Lopez and Matt Moore pickup are huge. Might just give the boost they need down the stretch here. Browns are a week away. A week away from today, we'll be talking about hopefully a Browns victory over those other Kitty Cats from the South. New kicker in town. Thank you. Don't need the Kate York hand-wringing experience anymore. Excited about the defense. Think the offense is going to be good. Still thinking around 10 or 11 wins for this team. The Buckeyes need to figure out what's going on with this offense. Pressure will start mounting on day. They have to get better on offense. And the Guardians are fighting hard down the stretcher. And my gosh, they're fighting hard. And that is the week that was in Cleveland sports. My name is Andy Billman. Check out at official Cleveland sports on Instagram. Check out the YouTube page, believe in the land on YouTube. And finally, believe in the The fall starts. Brown season's upon us. Have a good week. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!